Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Let's get our Bibles. Uh, My message this morning is simple. Those of you who may have been here uh, in October when I uh, preached last, which was the first time that I had spoken since handing over the leadership role to Dan and Ali, uh, you may recall that I stood up here and I had many concerned faces looking back at me as I said to you all, I didn't really want to preach today. And you all felt really encouraged by that, so it's great. Well, what's going to come out here? He doesn't, he doesn't want to be here. I don't want to be here. We're not, none of us want to be here. Let's go home. I need to encourage you. I, um, I'm ambivalent today, so I'm in neutral gear. Um, I'm not craving to preach, but I'm not where I was before where I'm thinking, do I really want to preach? So it's getting better. It's encouraging. It's good news. Who knows? In another 10 years, I may actually want to preach again. You never know. But I've got a simple message. Uh, that I think if we, if we take the time to lean into it and open our hearts, I, I love what Ali said about don't just listen to me, listen to God's word, super important, and just as important, almost the same sentence, make sure your heart and your spirit are opened up and tuned into listening to the Holy Spirit. He's the revelation bringer. I'm not the custodian of revelation, nor is any other preacher or pastor. We are facilitators. And it's up to you as the listener to make sure that you're leaning in. I can't make you get revelation today. I can't force revelation into your spirit. But if your heart is open and together we use our faith, we lean in, we switch on, the Holy Spirit does his job. And you know what? In today's world, and I'm not going to get into so many things we could say after that two-word phrase, today's world, but it is so important that we be Christians who value and practice the presence of the Holy Spirit. In case you haven't read scripture or you haven't read it enough recently, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, I will leave for you another comforter who is just like me. In other words, Jesus physically is in heaven with his father, but the Holy Spirit of God resides here on earth and brings the omnipresent presence of the father. And so we cannot afford to live a Christian life where we are negligent of or ignorant of the fact that the Holy Spirit is the bringer of God's presence. He helps us to know who Jesus is. He helps us to build relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so as we open Scripture today, make sure that you are leaning into that and you will take home so much more. If you need to write down notes, which I encourage you to do, the title of my message is, With Us in Every Season. Yes, we're in the Christmas season, but I want to encourage you today that God is with us. He is with you in every season. The only season where God will not be with you is if you walk away from him. And even then, he stands ready and waiting. When you turn back to him, he says, I'm still here. I never left. I never took my eye off the ball. I never took a step away thinking that we couldn't reconnect again. And so we need to have this word of truth reinforced in our spirit that he is with us in every season. Say amen if you believe it. I want you to repeat these words. Say, not every season is good, but God is with us in every season. Let's try it again. Say, not every season is good, but God is with us in every season. 
Now, if we were to take the duration of, say, 12 months, let's call it the calendar year of 2022, and if we did a cross-section survey throughout this congregation, let alone our other locations and people who couldn't be here today for various reasons, we would have enough sample data here to realise that there's a lot of mixed results in the room concerning 2022. Am I right? There are some people in the room, and maybe this is you, and I want you to be brave enough to put your hand up. There are some people here who, for 2022, it's been a great year. Where are those people? Now, don't feel embarrassed. This is really important as a church congregation. If we are mature, somebody say if. (laughs) It's a really important word. If we are mature, we need to be able to celebrate when others are having a great season. Because if you reach for jealousy on the shelf when someone else is doing well, and then you turn around and ask God to bless you, I'm not sure how well that's going to go. When someone else is having a great season, we should celebrate it. So if 22 has been a pretty good year for you, put your hand up. Keep it up if 2022 has been a great season. You're loving life. You're thinking, wow, I'm in a purple patch. Let's stretch this sucker out. Let's take this right through into the 2030s if we could. Some seasons go over like a whole year. Some seasons last for 10 years. Some seasons come and go in a couple of months. It's all different. We're constantly having to adapt our faith. Put your hand up if 2022 has been a bit of a mixed bag. Some good, some bad. Put your hand up if you're happy to see the back of 2022. See it walk out the door. Where are those people? Where are the people who 2022 has been a season that's probably ranking in your top five as one of the worst? Okay. So we... We have a mixture in the room. That's always going to be the case. Even when we're doing church at home and the group is smaller, there's going to be a mixture of the seasons that people are in. This is why true connection matters. This is why we're not a church who just comes to service, sings our songs and goes home. This is why we've got to stop long enough with the coffee or the tea or the Coke or whatever it is, Coca-Cola that was. Um, (laughs) I'm watching this front row right here. No, We've got to stop long enough to ask genuine questions. How are you really? Now, I would suggest to you, don't try that with someone you hardly know. Don't try to drive a semi-trailer across a shoelace. It doesn't work. In other words, you've got to take the time to actually invest in proper hellos, proper how you're going, one, one meal here or there, and then when the time is right, then you've got the right, then you've qualified to say, how are you really going? Where are those people that when you get asked, how are you really, you just, <laughs> I know you're here, some of you. We have to take the time to connect so that we can learn that other people are in different seasons. I'm fascinated how often these days people are pleasantly shocked when you just take two seconds to be interested in them. I was at a function on Friday where I knew probably 80% of the people there. I didn't know 20%. I got the chance to meet three or four people for the first time and talk to them. And a couple of them were communicating back to me their shock at my interest. One person even said with a smile on their face, I haven't been interrogated like this for a long time. And I said to them, I said, I'm not interrogating you. I'm taking an interest in you. And then someone else overheard it and they spoke and said, oh, no, that's true. That's what Andrew is like. He will ask questions about you. He won't talk about himself. This is what we need to do so we can learn where people are at so we can share the load. 
We can laugh with those who are laughing. We can cry with those who are crying. Sounds like the Bible to me. In Romans chapter 8, I believe they've got the scriptures for the screen for us, which I'm not, I don't have any power around here anymore, but you know, if I did have, I'd be tempted to say, can we stop putting the Bible verses on the screen just for a few months, just to force us all back into opening our own Bible? Anyway, just a thought. Uh, <laughs> Romans 8, verse 28. You know it, but just because you know it, don't presume there's nothing new for you to gain. Why shut the door on new revelation? Why say some revelation is enough? Romans 8, 28. It might not be in what I say. It might be the place where you are. The Holy Spirit meets you there and brings you something fresh. Romans 8, 28. We know all things. Somebody say all things. All things work together for good. Not all things are good, but all things can be worked together for our good. What does that mean? It means we are constantly in process. It's so important, especially for personalities like me and others who are the same, to not get hung up on outcomes. We've got to accept the fact that we live our life in process, we live our life in story, we live our our life on journey, and it's a transformative journey. There's good things happening, there's bad things happening. Put your hand up if in the last year or so you've had something confusing happen to you. Can't understand it. Put your hand up if you've ever prayed and asked God to explain something and he still hasn't answered you. Congratulations, welcome to the More Mature Faith Club. And I say that quite seriously, that's where the grown up big boy, big girl faith lives, where stuff happens and you ask God and he doesn't seem to answer. And your heart says, okay, Lord, you don't have to tell me. I'll trust you because I know your character is good. And so we do what Hebrews says. We consider him who is faithful more, even more than we consider his promises. His promises are real good. Someone say really good. His promises are really good. But he himself is better than his promises. So even when we don't know the answer, we still trust. He makes all things work together for our good. Look at this, for those who love God. Put your hand up if you love God. Keep your hand up if you don't just like him, you love him. Amen. That's how it's got to be. We love him. And then look at this last phrase, and those who are called according to his purpose. Don't get hung up on that. That just means a... uh, permissive heart towards the Lord, which says, Lord, this life is yours. You paid for it. That scripture is not saying you must know the whole master plan in order for God to work things out for you. No, 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 no. It's saying, allow your heart to be called whenever he calls. That's what that means. So it's so important we understand that he is with us in every season. I want to pose the question, how can we know that he is with us? Turn to Matthew chapter one, if you can. I can't give you, look at that, isn't that a sad sound for those who have been in church for a long time? Let's turn in our Bibles. We used to hear this in church. Can you hear that? I don't know if you can hear that or not. But we used to hear, sorry, Dan, we, he's trying so hard to get my sound right, and then I go and do that. We used to hear Bible pages flicking. Matthew chapter 1, how do we know, how can we know that he is with us, especially if you've been through a season or maybe you're in a season where you're struggling to know. Can I just help you with something there as well? Again, I'm I'm talking here this morning to those who are either living or trying to live the mature, the real faith life. What do I mean? 
I'm not denigrating easy seasons. They're fantastic when you have them. But they seem to be rarer than the mundane seasons and the tough seasons. And our faith comes alive, that muscle grows when we don't know the answers, when we don't have the resources, when things are going wrong, not right. And so we need to understand that there are other people in this room, even people who you might have thought were a lot stronger than you, who also struggle with their faith. If it's helpful for you to know, I struggle with my faith. Does that mean I get to a point where I don't believe God is God? No. What I'm saying is I have days and I've had weeks and I've even had months where I've been praying and seeking God and not having the slightest clue if he's listening, if he's hearing, if he's got an answer for me, how it's going to work out, what's going to happen to me. It's called being human. I would suggest to you, don't set yourself the impossible bar of I must be in faith every day 24-7. Until you are raptured and sin is no longer part of your existence, you cannot live at that kind of level. Instead, set your sights on a resuscitated faith rather than a perfect faith. Because there will be seasons where you pray and it sounds like silence. Where you ask for answers and they don't seem to be forthcoming. Where you feel like you're overdue for a good season. Where are my people who feel overdue? Come on, don't be ashamed of it. I got both hands up. If I could do a V-sit, I'd put both legs in the air as well. But nobody wants to see that. Not in relatively tight chinos anyway. That can go bad real quick. (laughs) This is where our faith lives. Well, we don't always know. And it's okay. It's okay. God is not offended by you struggling with your faith. Have you read Psalms? Have you looked at some of the stuff that David got away with? Complaints and whinging and all kinds of things. And then like in the next song, he's praising God. You think, this guy's schizophrenic. Well, he was just living in a zone where faith was hard. And we will live there as well. But if we're going to know, if our spirit is going to know, it has to come from God's word. We cannot take our frame of reference from circumstance around us. That will always lie. We cannot take our frame of reference, or as I like to say, our plumb line. Don't take your plumb line of truth from your emotions. You need them, but they're untrustworthy. They're not good in the front row of the car. They need to be in the second row. Bring them with you, but put them in the back seat. You cannot take your frame of reference or your plumb line for faith from other people. It's got to come from the Word of God. Because this Word has the power and the life to fulfil itself. Not only is it truth, but it is the seed of growing truth that has the power to become true as you believe in it. And in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, we read this magnificent Christmas-oriented passage. Verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows... After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Don't get stuck on that verse. It confounds me as well. Uh, I find it interesting that so many people get stuck on how could Mary become pregnant without having had intercourse with a man, and yet we are more than happy to put our faith in the fact he's going to rapture us and we're going to live in heaven forever and we're going to have a new body. And, you know, you believe in all the other stuff, but something that's actually less difficult we stumble over don't stumble if it's too hard for your faith put it in the zone where you go I don't know how that works but I trust that God is good his character is good it will be okay kind of God would we be worshipping if we knew every single detail about his workings before we even got there it doesn't make me want to worship where's the mystery 
Where's the faith? Where's the leaning in for stuff? I don't know. So he will not, it doesn't matter how much we pursue it, he will not be fully contained in a Petri dish, a beaker, or on top of a Bunsen burner. I did pay attention a little bit in year seven science, not a whole lot, I suppose. Actually, I think that's where my pyromania started, with the Bunsen burner. <laughs> Who's with me? Who, who thought that the Bunsen burner was just for experimenting what kind of materials would burn? You know, when the, the they used to, like, some of them used to call themselves science professors, like, bro, like, just because you can strike a match doesn't mean you're a professor. Come on, I'm gonna strike a match. I can do it like this, I put it on the top and flick it and start fires. So anyway, that's a whole other thing. The teacher would say to you, now, just turn your Bunsen burner up to 50% heat. And like most of the boys in the room were like, what's the point of that? How's that going to melt anything? I'm of the opinion that if it does burn, it was meant to. All right. God will not be contained in a science lab. And so we've got to have areas where we go, God, I trust you. I don't understand. Verse 19, Joseph, her husband, being a just or righteous man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Verse 20, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Look at this, and she will bring forth the son and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. What a word to get in your dreams. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Verse 23, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. <laughs> I'm glad we are not worshipping a distant, foreign, unknowable God. He is God with us. He is felt he is heard, he is experienced, he is relatable, he is God with us. And whatever season you are in today, God is with you, amen? God is with you. Let me point out four quick things to answer. How is he with us? If we know that he is, how is he with us? Four things, number one, his word. If you don't have a love or a knowledge, or a curiosity about this, it will be difficult, nigh impossible to know him. Because he is revealed in these pages. He is revealed, his character is revealed. What kind of person is Jesus? Find it there. What is possible through Jesus? Find it there. What should I do about my questions? Find it there. His word is how we can know he is with us. Secondly, his body. What is his body? His church family. If you haven't yet experienced what it's like to have another member of the church body bless you, help you, give you wisdom, pray for you, you're missing out. If you get here at five past ten and leave five before altar call, any wonder you haven't received from the body. Uh -oh, I'm still doing that thing where I'm talking honest. Sorry about that. We've got to plug in. We've got to get all... I can, I can say some things for Dan and Ali that I probably wouldn't have said to you a lot this time last year. We've got to get involved in church at home. We've got to join groups. We've got to get involved in discovering what gifts did God give me? Am I musical or should I never go near the worship team ever? <laughs> am I creative? Am I administrative? Have I, am I full of faith? Have I got hospitality gifts? What did God give me? Because whatever he gave us, he gave us for us to get joy by giving to others. 
The joy of a gift is not in having, the joy of a gift is in giving it. We're coming to Christmas. You'll get zero joy out of buying a present, wrapping it, and then staring at it until next year. Well, most of you. <laughs> a few of you do wrap your presents like it's a HSC exam and you're going to get scored on it. Where are the people who are super proud of their Christmas present origami wrapping skills? Go, don't, don't be ashamed. Put them up. Come on. Where are the people who go, I've got no idea how they get those perfect corners and I couldn't care less. It's wrapped in something colourful just to just appreciate the fact that I bought it for you. The joy of having a gift is in the giving away. So whatever God has given you, if you don't know, it's your responsibility to find out. What did he give me? How do I use it? And you will get greatest contentment in life when you use it to bless others. His word is how he's with us. His body, here's a third one, his blessings. I fear that in today's world, again, we've become so accustomed to the spectacular that we have lost our grip on the simple and we've stopped having gratitude for the things that really matter. I can be guilty of it just as much as anyone else. But simple prayers sometimes are the best prayers. Simple prayers prayed on the way to school with your children. Simple prayers prayed at the dinner table. Simple prayers prayed with your spouse holding their hand. Lord, thank you for today. Getting back to fundamental prayers like, Lord, we thank you for today's mercies. Knowing that that's a promise. Your mercies are new every morning. So thank him for them. You go, well, how will I know? Well, what do you mean? How? He's promised he'll provide them. It's up to you to know and then walk into them and expect that they will be there. Thank you, Lord, for the blue sky today. Oh, a blue sky. Well, it's going to be there whether I say thanks or not. Well, I would suggest you could be the reason for too much rain this year with that attitude. <laughs> Thank you for the blue sky, Lord. Thank you for my family. Oh, if you had my family, you wouldn't be saying thanks. Well... I don't know, I think it's possible for all of us to get so cynical and so bunkered down in, I haven't got this, I haven't got this, and then we hear our kids do it and we chide them. Who, uh, all the parents, put your hand up. <laughs> Come on, you go, oh, my kids are growing up, I'm not a parent anymore. Yes, you are. You produce them, you unleash them on the world, we're holding you responsible. All the parents, have you had that scary moment yet where your kids do something and your reflexes go like, and then you go, oh gee, that was a lot like me. <laughs> Who's had that? Isn't that scary when your DNA starts talking to you? And you just try to pretend and go, that never happened, you just get on with your day. But <laughs> he's talking to you going, that was you, you know. Or you might have a wife, fellas, who helps you to know, mm -mm, that's your son. <laughs> Isn't it interesting how husbands and wives do that to each other? When the naughty child in the family is doing their thing and they go, mm -mm, that's your son. And why is it always the son? There's naughty girls as well, you know. <laughs> Equal opportunity, people. <laughs> oh, that's your side of the family. Well... Doesn't matter which side, when the DNA starts talking, we realise we all came from the same Adam. Ooh, hello. Quick, let's move on to happier things. It's Christmas time. Joy to the world. Okay. Not every season is good, but God is with us in every season. We know his word, his body, his blessings, and what we're going to practice in about 10 minutes' time, his presence. His presence. God's 
presence. What do we mean by that? We mean what it feels like spiritually, physically, emotionally, and mentally when God comes closer to us. You know, when this uh, church property was first bought a long time ago, and particularly when we started our school, people who weren't familiar with the property used to ask, uh, what to ask was a funny question, but to them was serious, and they used to ask us if people had had any health problems because of the electricity towers out the front here, which I'm not, I don't know how that works, but, you know, I, I would look down and count if I still had 10 digits on my hand, and only one head, not a second one on my shoulders, and we say, oh, well, we don't think so, but you know, people were, people were highlighting, if you come close to an energy source, will there be an adverse effect? It's a fair question. Because if we bring you up real close to any energy source that has power, you're going to feel it. Ever had an electric shock? Who's ever, who's ever um, this might be just to most of the fellas in the room, I don't know, but anyone ever touched an electric fence? Hendo. <laughs> Hendo, I'm feeling this could be your zone today, mate. Anyone ever touched an electric fence because a friend dared you to? Where are those people, Craig? Hendo again, two for two. I remember, my, my dad was a bricklayer by trade, and I remember working with him once, we were doing an extension on somebody's house somewhere or something, and I remember uh, going out to the front of the property to mix a batch of mud for him, and we had the electric mixer there, and I remember out the corner of my eye noticing that the plug was slightly ajar. Not a lot, just a little. And, you know, I was putting my hands into the, to, uh, the drum and get water and, you know, all the rest of it, and I, I just at the last minute thought, I better just make sure that's connected, so I reached down and I put the plugs together with wet hands and landed on the sand pile. <laughs> I can fly. <laughs> and my hands were, had a bit of a zing going on for quite a while because I got too close to that energy source. I felt it and it was a negative impact. However, we need to respect and accept that when God is invited closer to us, we will feel it. It's called his presence. And there's no negative effect. There's only positivity. And you will feel it spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally. The closeness of God has unlimited benefits for our life. And so we will practice that at the end. Let's have a quick look in Psalm 23. You doing all right? You still there? Is this too much, this close to Christmas? Should I stop? I know some of you have been hanging for the day where you could say yes to that question. When he's not the pastor anymore, I'm going to tell him what I really think. Go ahead. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's worth meditating, that verse. Look at this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. You're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We're going to come back there and hover for a minute or two. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will. Somebody say, I will. 
this is a great thing to say to yourself at the end of every year. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I'm more than happy to put myself on public notice like I have hundreds of times. I plan to stay in the house of the Lord forever. If you say something offensive to me, I'm not leaving. (laughs) So I've been waiting for my chance for a long time. Andrew. (laughs) I'm not leaving because somebody says something offensive to me. If somebody cuts me off in the church car park, guess where I'm going to be next Sunday? Back here again. If I don't get to preach ever again, well, I'll definitely be coming back every Sunday. (laughs) What's the point? I have committed and recommitted and recommitted and recommitted and recommitted and recommitted. I'm going to the house of the Lord. There's not another house I want to plant my roots deep into. I want to be in his house. You've got to have this staunch, resolute attitude in your heart that says, I don't care which ploy the devil tries to bring against me. I'm not getting tipped out of this boat. And if you got tipped out once or twice, don't get all judgy on yourself. Just say, I'm here now. I'm going to commit again. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Look at this in verse four, because this is where some of you have been. If I'm being perfectly honest, and I will be, 2022 for me has been a horrible year in many regards. Some of you heard me say that before. I've enjoyed some of the year. I've hated a lot of it. I'm looking forward to seeing the back of it. Some of you heard me say it a couple of months ago. I spent three months earlier this year convinced I was going to die of a heart attack. Ended up in hospital three or four times, only to find out later that I most likely had an injury in my chest because of vaccines that we were uh, encouraged to take. Nevertheless... It's been an unpleasant year on multiple fronts. However, God is still good. God is still with me in every season. And sometimes you feel like this verse four, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, feel like it's closing in all around you. Look at this, what the psalmist says. He says, I will fear no evil. What does that mean? How can you not have some fear when the shadows are closing in? What he's actually saying to us is, I will not switch over and believe that this ends up badly as finality for me. What the writer is saying to us is, even when the shadows are closing in, and I feel like I've been on the valley floor for weeks, months, even years, and you're catching the sight of silhouettes on the mountaintops, enjoying the great view from not being in the valley, and you're tempted to chuck it in. That's when you've got to say to yourself, I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep on walking. Eventually, this valley ends and my God, my shepherd, my saviour is with me in every season. There will be another side to my trial. There will be a finish point to my challenge. This is why the same psalmist said, oh, death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? Because even if our challenge ends in mortal death, we still end up in victory because we end up with our saviour. It's an attitude shift. It's a revelation commitment where you say, I refuse to believe the devil's lie that this circumstance ends in my finality and my harm. I will come out the other side because my shepherd is good. God is my shepherd. I will not fear evil. Look at this. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I wonder if we've given permission, not that God needs it, but he won't force himself on us. Have you given permission to your saviour to use the rod and the staff? This comes from a time in the world where Shepherding was done in a certain way. For those of you who don't understand what this means, this is talking about a shepherd who would carry two implements. 
It's not two ends of the same implement, it's two separate implements. One was a rod, one was a staff. The staff is the one with the hook on the end. If you were right-handed, you would carry the rod in your right hand. Why? Better leverage. (laughs) The rod was designed for prodding sheep towards where they need to go and keeping them protected from dangerous things. So when a shepherd was moving a herd of sheep, they would occasionally come behind a sheep and prod them with the rod in the hind quarter. You're going the wrong way, you're wandering off. Prod them this way, get back with the pack where it's safe. The rod was also used to deal with animals that would try to come. The rod was a nice strong stick to whack that thing in the side of the head and protect the sheep. But every now and then the sheep would be so stubborn, even after being prodded, 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 they'd still wander the other way and that's when the shepherd would get the crook of their staff and hook them around the neck and say, you are coming this way. (laughs) Have you given the good shepherd permission to use his rod and his staff in your life? I would urge you to do so. Why? Because they are good. The rod and the staff are both good because he has our best and he knows how to get us there. Revelation 3, could you guys throw that on the screen? We doing all right? Could I please have Matthew and Stephen? Some of you going, ah, is is that his name, Matthew? (laughs) And who's Stephen? Ah, that's Stephen, right, okay. Revelation 3, verse 20. This is Jesus to us today. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. What's that all about? It's about Jesus coming closer, building strength of relationship. I am a big advocate for and a staunch believer in the truth that Christians must practice continually inviting the presence of God, the power of the Holy Spirit into their life. Not just the church service, personal life, their home, their employment, their relationships. Let the presence of God in. And in a moment, that's what we're going to practice. Not for a long time, but for a concentrated amount of time. Who's got a phone with them? Who's got their phone? We've all got a phone. Hold your phone up in the air. Let's just do a little silly thing because it helps you to concentrate until the next section of what I'm going to say. Who's got an iPhone? (laughs) Where are the iPhone people? iPhone till I die. Where are the Samsung people who go, please, Apple, please. Apple, so 2007. Uh, Where are the people who think they've reached higher echelons than the rest of us? You've got a Google Pixel. Where Where are the Pixel people? There's one or two pixels. Where are the people who've got something a little bit funky and we've never heard of it? Because it comes through like Huawei or something like that. Nokia 5110, anybody? Beep, 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 beep. Who's old enough to remember that? That text message tone. (laughs) And in the menu, it would be called special text. (laughs) Those kids playing over here in this section until about row number six, roughly, and beyond. Nokia phones, they used to have a text message tone. They'd go beep, 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 beep. And it was about that loud. And you'd have people, it would repeat itself, and there'd be people who'd pick it up and go like, and just let it keep on making the noise. Like, dude, open the phone, stop it. And in the menu, it was called special text tone. So we've come a long way from Snake on the Nokia. Who remembers Snake on the Nokia 5110? 
where you'd use the, the four arrows. Wow, haven't we come a long way? I can remember having, um, as part of the youth ministry here, we got our youth staff new phones. They were, who remembers three mobile? Can you remember the three mobile phones? And they had a little camera on the outside. And the promise was video phone calls. And everyone was like, no way. It never worked. <laughs> right, hold your phone up. Now, everyone pretty much has got a camera on the back, haven't they? Where are the, where are the super pro people who've got four lenses on the back of their camera? Who's in my team with three lenses? Where are the two lens people? Where are the simple folk who go, one's enough, I just need one lens. Let's talk about the phone for a moment because it's going to help us. Some of you have heard me do this before, but just pay attention for a moment if you can. When we do our, well, I, I hope and I pray that there are more photos in your camera roll from these lenses than that one. And if you're doing ducky lips at yourself, stop it in Jesus' name. Stop it. You do not look more attractive. See the things I can say now? Reese, is this doing your heart good? Those of you who are doing like this at the camera, you don't look better. You look uglier. Stop it. Okay. Can I get an amen? Am I right? Okay, so... Anyway, I just, just want to help the people with different things, you know. Jesus wants you to be at your attractive best. If he wanted you to be a duck, you'd have feathers and you'd say quack, so stop it. The camera lens up here, whatever you point the lens at becomes the focus of the image you want, right? So we're going to talk for a moment about the lens. Everyone say the lens. The aperture. Say the aperture. It's so pro. The light. Say the light say the hard drive here's what happens we point the lens at whatever our subject is oh wooden cross what a great photo subject that would be we point the lens at it but nothing's happening yet inside that lens is something called an aperture it's an opening different cameras different lenses have different sizes of aperture but they all do basically the same thing the aperture or the opening is there so that when you press the button, the light that is on this side of the camera rushes in to the aperture and the light essentially embosses or burns an image on the film or on the hard drive. I recently gave my daughter uh, a camera that I was given in the early 1990s because she wanted it. You know those ones where you get the thumb wheel and you go ready for the next shot, right? Doesn't matter how good the tech is, the functionality is basically the same. You focus the lens, you press a button that opens the aperture, the light comes in, and whatever is in your field of view is retained or stored. I want you to remember that. Because the same thing's going on when we practice the presence of God. We need to learn to focus the lens of our thoughts on Him. We press the button of faith and invitation that opens the aperture of our spirit. Somebody say, press the button. Doesn't matter whether you're holding an Apple, a Samsung, a Google, or whatever, a Nokia, if it's got a camera on it. Doesn't matter what grade the camera is. All the potential is there, but it's useless until you press the button. Utterly useless until you press the button. We have to press the button of faith and invitation that opens the aperture of our spirit. In other words, it's the conscious understanding 
God can connect with me spirit to spirit and by a faith of choice, which could sound as simple as this prayer, Lord, I invite you close and mean it. Let it be a heartfelt prayer. That's your button on your camera is the choice, the acceptance, the words that say, Lord, I need your presence. That opens the aperture of our spirit and it lets his light shine inside us. And then the image of God will be embossed on the hard drive of our identity. Some people struggle all their Christian life with feeling like a loser, like a failure, like they can't be forgiven. They're too sinful. They're too this or too that. No, the big problem is they haven't taken enough time to open the aperture and let the light in. The focus of their thoughts has been on their failings. The focus of their thoughts has been on their shortcomings. You've got to put the focus of your thoughts on the brilliance and the eternal perfection of God our Saviour. Look at Him, open your spirit, invite Him close. Then His supernatural light comes into your world and the image of God gets burned on the hard drive of our identity. That was God's plan all along in Genesis 1.26. He says, let us make mankind in our own image according to our likeness. In other words, God's plan for you was that you would always look like Him. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.